This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To start your free 14-day trial, visit shopify.com. Hey, entrepreneurs, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week, we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. On today's podcast, you'll learn from a top-performing sales executive at Twitter that's in charge of two Shopify stores in the marijuana accessories industry. In this episode, you'll learn why you get better customers by offering a 100% satisfaction or your money back guarantee rather than giving away free samples, why not needing revenue immediately can help you focus on building a product-first business, and what it's like working a demanding sales job and running two Shopify businesses at the same time. Today, I'm joined by Ben Kovacs, co-founder from LiftedView.com. That's L-I-F-T-E-D-V-I-E-W.com. LiftedView sells natural supplements with six ingredients promoting focus and mood balance. It was started in 2015. Welcome, Ben. Hey, thanks for having me, Felix. Cool. So LiftedView.com is you know your latest project again started uh, beginning of the year in 2015. Uh, but you have uh, experience uh, you know outside of uh, or before LiftedView. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, um, I guess I have a little bit of an unconventional path. You would say I, I work at Twitter full time still. I do I do sales at Twitter. I've worked here for about three years and actually still work here. And um, I also uh, was involved. Early on, from the start of a company called Meister, which is M Y S T E R, it's a cannabis accessories company uh, that makes high-end uh, cannabis uh, accessories. And um, can- uh, Meister actually has a Shopify store as well, so I got really versed in, in what was going on there with kind of the e-commerce side of the business through Meister before starting Lifted View. And then uh, the other thing I do is really my passion project, which is a nonprofit martial arts gym, which uh, provides free jiu-jitsu and boxing for kids out here in Oakland, which has been in the planning process for a few years, but just launched in January of this year. Gotcha. So you uh, were you you were and you still are in a, working at Twitter. Uh, at what point during your I guess experience at Twitter did you realize that you wanted to to you know start something of your own? I guess starting with Meister. Yeah. So Meister was. Uh, interesting because it was actually uh, founded by one of my best friends named Davis Kianaga, and he came to me with an idea of creating a really beautiful uh, stash tray, as we call it, which is a stainless steel magnetic rolling tray for all of someone's uh, rolling needs, kind of taking uh, that business to the next level, sort of like you think of wine where you know, you don't, if you're a wine connoisseur, there's a big difference between box wine and having a half million dollar wine cellar in your basement to show off to your friends. And mm-hmm. we think that's really the way that the cannabis industry is moving. And we wanted to start building really great products that made people feel proud and, you know, not feel like all the stereotypes that you get of being a stoner and lazy and a loser and all those type of things. So he approached me. I was the first investor in the company. I had a very passive role, didn't do a lot, just kind of had meetings once in a while with him to see how things were going. And then I started taking on a more active role in the company over time. So that was kind of how I got my my foot in the door, my start with with Meister. Um, whereas, you know, with with Lifted View, it was a lot different. I really wasn't planning on starting Lifted View, but what happened is I was sitting around one night, and some of my friends, uh, including uh, Davis, my partner in, in Lifted View, a friend of mine named Tony, and then um, uh, actually it was just us three at the time sitting around. We were uh, wondering. We were we were having a conversation. I said, you know, isn't it weird that like people have supplements for everything out there in life, but there's so many people that suffer from negative side effects from using cannabis, and there's not really a supplement out there that helps them overcome those negative side effects. And so, one of my uh, my my partners, Tony, he said, you know, I've actually been experimenting with this for a while now, for about two years, and I've tried fifty different types of nootropics and. He's like, I'd really like to help you try to solve this problem. So it almost was like this little challenge. And we didn't say, we didn't start out and start the business the next day and say, hey, we're going to make this work. We actually did all this research for about a year and started experimenting with different types of nootropics and doing research and different natural ingredients until we finally figured out something that actually worked. And the real secret was raising energy levels in a slow and sustained way, while at the same time reducing the feelings of anxiety that so many people get. And that really kind of secret combination all through a natural and and simple formula of ingredients that are 2,000 plus years old each 
um, was, was, was born, you know, and it wasn't until we started giving this to our friends and family and doing it ourselves and getting feedback from random people and coworkers that we realized like, wow, like this is actually working for the vast majority of people. And, uh, that's how lifted view was born. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you're in the cannabis industry and it's a very fast moving industry, you know, without legalization happening. I think just today, uh, the time we're recording this, uh, Vermont just passed some legalization for it. How does this affect your business or how do you think about your business maybe differently because it's in such a fast moving industry where there's a lot of, you know, changes in the laws? I mean, the truth is I don't think about it a lot. I mean, I think, um, I think the statistics I've seen are like 25 to 30 million Americans already admit to using cannabis, and that's just in America. There's obviously a worldwide market as well, and um, I think it's only going to increase, obviously, over time as people continue to, you know, states continue ad- to adopt legalization measures in different forms. So I think that really bodes well for our business and kind of the rising tide lifts all boats type uh, scenario. But it's, it's honestly not something I think about. It's not really in our control. There's clearly already a market for cannabis accessories and things like what we're doing with Lifted Views. So, you know, I, I honestly don't put a lot of thought into it. Gotcha. So you said that uh, with Meister, you uh, were an investor at first. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you make your decisions on whether uh, you wanted to invest in this business before? Or maybe before we get there, have you invested in other businesses in the past? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, a seasoned investor. I haven't invested in a lot of companies. Um, it was more, you know, my friend, I thought had a really cool idea. I figured the money that I put into the company wasn't going to be, you know, wasn't certainly going to make or break me, but I thought it would be a fun business to also get in. And what I noticed in the cannabis industry is there's sort of a fun element to it. And people who have stocks and they invest in oil companies and they have, you know, tech holdings, when they go to a dinner party or something, it's not very exciting or fun to talk about. You know, you, you don't you don't really you don't get uh, your person sitting across from the table you excited because you're getting a four percent dividend in Exxon. But there's something cool about the cannabis industry. Just like so many you know wealthy uh, folks decide to get into the wine business because it's cool to have a winery. It's cool to have a wine brand uh, of some kind. So that was I think part of probably my subconscious uh, reason for wanting to get into it was that I knew it was an industry that was going to grow, and I thought this was like an easy way to get my foot in the door without doing a lot of work myself. So I think it was just more one of those gut feeling decisions. It wasn't like, oh, this is going to be a surefire home run type thing. Mm-hmm. So you started off as an investor in Meister, then you said you got a little bit more involved. What were the first steps in that direction? Like, what were you taking on that was uh, you know, getting you more involved in the business? Well, I think what happened is really my, my partner at the time, he, he just needed to, uh, not my partner, David, he owns the company, so the guy that I invested with, but he, uh, he, took, he, he asked for money because he was developing the prototypes of the product. And so, you know, as a guy with a sales and a marketing background and with no product design acumen, I really wasn't valuable to the company at the beginning. So it was like, give me some mm-hmm. money, get out of the way. But then as we actually started selling product and developed the product and there was a product ready for sale, then all of a sudden there's all these other tasks, you know, running a business that need done. So then I started stepping in and helping him. And, you know, I still, I'd say the thing that I helped the most with is sort of strategy and helping him bounce ideas off of, you know, we bounce ideas off of each other back and forth and talk sense into each other because, you know, when you're on an entrepreneur island, I call it, you know, it's sometimes you make really kind of crazy decisions or you don't prioritize things because there's just too many things going on. So it's nice to have that person to write the ship there um, sort of as your second in command or partner or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once you had invested in, in Meister and you still, you know, had that, uh, or you still have that sales executive job at Twitter, were you concerned about any kind of potential conflicts because you have, you know, a relatively public, you know, facing role at, at a company like Twitter? And, you know, obviously there's still some, um, I guess, uh, maybe negative viewpoints about a business in the cannabis industry. Did you have any concerns there? It's a great question. I mean, and it's it's something uh, everybody everybody asks. Uh, I was very upfront when I interviewed at Twitter that I was already working with Meister and in, you know an investor in Meister, and I think they they actually thought it was kind of cool. You know, it's mm-hmm. not every day that you get an interview candidate who comes in who has that type of unique experience, and I think they appreciated my honesty. And let's face it, you know, we work in downtown San Francisco, <laughs> one of the most liberal you know areas probably in the in the world, and. Um, it's not like, you know, I'm the first person probably that ever walked through these doors that had some sort of interest in that business or that industry or, you know, was supporting it in some way. So, um, it definitely didn't have any negative backlash. In fact, I would think almost the opposite when, you know, I meet with some clients or colleagues or whatever, it just, 
it gives me just like that extra thing to talk about that's interesting and unique. And when you take clients out for a dinner, they don't want to talk about their their ads for you know 100% of the time. They want to hear about your personal life and why you're interesting and why you're fun and why you're cool and why they should want to do another dinner with you. And you know, eventually, that's like you know, that's how kind of the this business works, right? You you know, you gotta you know, there's not an exact science to the advertising business, and a lot of it is people doing business with who they like and who they find interesting. And I really think that Meister and Lifted View and Guardian Gym and all the other things I'm doing have sort of helped to you know make make this uh, make me kind of a more interesting person, which has just helped uh, in my Twitter uh, job as well. So for anyone out there, though, that that either maybe um, is working at a job currently and wants to start their own business, even if it's not in a in a field that is controversial, do you feel like there's any maybe tips that you can give about how they can approach their employer to make sure that there is no you know, conflict of interest or any potential problems with them running their own business, even though it's on nights and weekends outside of work? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I have real great advice as far as how to approach your employer in the sense that I did it beforehand. So mm-hmm. I was very open and honest. I, I guess the one thing I would say is people typically respect people who are brutally honest. And, you know, I think when someone senses that you're hiding something from them and they kind of catch you at a later date doing something that maybe they didn't know you were doing, then it looks a lot worse. So I just think being really honest and open and, and upfront is the way to do it. Um, you know, when it comes to talking to your employer about it. And, and I don't really see for most people a reason if you are working on the nights and weekends and you're building a website or, you know, you're creating content to get a business launch, you're doing research with suppliers in China or wherever you get your products from. I, I'm not really sure there's a need to tell your, your employer, right? I mean, mm. as long as you're doing it in an ethical way and you're not using company time and company property and all that stuff to run your business, I, I just don't know what the benefit for most people would be to tell their employer. But if it's a type of business that is like, public facing, then I would just say be brutally honest and, you know, just make sure it doesn't conflict with your other business. Makes sense. Um, so you were saying that, uh, you know, once th- during the, the beginning stage of Meister, you guys are really focused on just getting the prototype going, maybe validating the market before you're able to, uh, you, before you personally were able to step in and, and bring in your kind of sales and marketing background. So for someone out there that also is in that kind of position where they are, you know, finally have the product or finally have the, 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 the manufacturers ready to, to produce the products and it's, they're starting to get to the point where they need to start promoting and marketing it. What were your, maybe like, you know, first couple months, maybe first one, two or three months, like goals to hit uh, during that, that beginning period? The interesting thing is I don't think we really had any goals, you know, um, we don't, we didn't really have any specific goals. We didn't have, uh, other investors besides ourselves that we had to hit those goals for. So, you know, I think a lot of it was really just winging it at the beginning and just sort of throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Um, the hard part about building a business is obviously like creating that following and that demand and advertising is extremely expensive. And, you know, in my opinion, it's just really hard for a lot of businesses to make, to make work, especially at the beginning. So you got to really be creative about how you're getting your name out there and what you're doing. And, you know, for people who go to our website at Meister or they follow us on our social media channels. So, you know, it's Meister High End is like our Instagram and Twitter and that kind of stuff. And getmeister.com is our website. But people that follow us, I think what they, they see is there's a lot of authenticity there. And there's just, you know, Davis, who's my partner, is not just like a guy who sees the money on the wall, uh, the writing on the wall, that there's money coming down the pike in this industry. He's a guy who's extremely passionate about, you know, the legalization of cannabis. You know, he was once charged 10 years ago with, um, you know, I don't know, some, they wanted to throw him in jail for 10 years for like conspiracy to smuggle marijuana. I mean, it was a crazy story that he ended up getting off in court and, and not ever going to jail for. But, you know, he realized the destruction that could happen from people's lives and all the benefits that happened to him. And he, uh, you know, is just really passionate about it. And I think that authenticity comes, comes out um, in what we do with Meister. And we've had other companies in the space approach us and they're just like, how much can we pay you to sell your company and and start working uh, for us? You know, like we we want you to work for us. Like you guys know how to do branding in this business better than anyone else. And I think it's just a lot of honestly, a lot of that credit goes to him. And he just has a real gift for photography and videography and knowing what's cool. 
And um, it's really hard to replicate that if you don't have that passion and that authenticity for for what you're doing. Yeah, this is one of those industries where it's um, it's not necessarily easier to market, but because it's so controversial, you just come out and with your stance and you know and be proud of your particular stance and have a, a side kind of in the in the in the race or in the battle, whatever you want to call it. It really helps people gravitate towards you because you can see that oh, there's someone out there that's standing up for this, and no one else is willing to kind of speak up, and it just makes it a lot easier for you to stand in the marketplace when people are so kind of afraid to talk about you know these kind of things. Yeah, it's very very true. It's very true, and it's also an industry that's been littered with garbage, right? It's been um, it's been littered with brands that are just text heavy and you know really either appealing to a very uh, I'll call it like a hillbilly crowd or you know a demographic that's that's not that's not a high end you could say right it's it's not something that you know you're proud to wear out on your shirt or you know something that you'd want to expose on a coffee table when you have you know a fancy dinner guest or something over so right. we kind of saw that there was this huge opportunity to take that to the next level it didn't ha- it doesn't have to be like that forever Gotcha. Cool. So, you know, we've kind of uh, got, got a little glimpse at uh, Meister and obviously also your work at, at Twitter. Um, so, you know, while this was all going on, when did you decide I want to focus more on on launching Lifted Views? I know you're saying how you came up with this idea or you, about why isn't there, why aren't there supplements for people that do, you know, use cannabis? And then you, what, what, what happened next? Like once you came up with that idea, how did you start executing on that idea? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the the really cool things that that happened because of uh, us all the people being involved, like not needing Lifted View to be successful financially, we were able to really concentrate on building an awesome product first that that we were one hundred percent confident and comfortable worked not only for ourselves but for other people. We really just weren't willing because this is something. This is a supplement. This is something that you're putting in your body. Like we didn't want to put out a half-assed product, right, or even a. Mm-hmm three-quarter product. Like we wanted to put out something that we really thought worked and that we did a lot of research around. So we spent the first year or so just doing research on the product, right? Like just going through, you know, 50, 100, 200 options and doing research with what products were already out there that had a synergy with cannabis or what natural substances, I should say, had a synergy with cannabis and had research already attached to it. We couldn't obviously afford and didn't want to go through doing all those studies on each ingredient. I mean, we couldn't afford a $100,000 study on 50 different ingredients to get this started. So we had to think logically about how we could piece this together and build this supplement in a way that made sense. And not only until we actually did that and started testing it and buying each ingredient individually and testing it and then making our own capsules at home and giving them to friends and family and other people to get honest feedback from, collecting that data through Google Forms and making sure we really had a good idea of what was working and what wasn't and continuing to refine that formula. It wasn't until we finally had that product that we were like, wow, this is actually working that we decided to turn it into a business. Mm, makes sense. So, uh, can you talk a little bit more about that process of of creating these ingredients and creating, I guess, the the right formula that you finally settled on? Like, did you have to work with a particular type of manufacturer, or like wh- wh- what other players are are involved in in something like this? Yeah, I mean, we did it all on our own at the beginning by you know again doing the research and buying all these um, different supplements in bulk. And then once we had the formula down, then that's when we went to you know um, a manufacturer. We wanted to find a really high quality manufacturer, so we found a group out here in California. My friend works for a much larger, well known uh, company, and uh, he was doing uh, their logistics and uh, their supply chain. So he had the relationship with this. A really high quality factory that uh, would not have worked with us based on our minimums if it wasn't for his relationship. So um, he, they kind of did it as a friend deal to get us in the door and keep him happy. I think, but um, you know, we were really lucky because we had talked to a lot of different manufacturers, and that industry, the supplement industry, is extremely shady. Right? There's mm-hmm. just people all over the country that you can go to that will pack your stuff, but you're relying on them to source the ingredients from the places that they say they are and you know, the quality control that's there. I mean, it's really, we just, all these people we talked to, we never really had confidence that 
people were going to do it. And I feel like it was just a great stroke of luck actually at the end that we found this um, amazing factory right here in California that would, would do this for us. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's a potentially shady industry. And obviously there are a lot of manufacturers in the space. And sometimes a lot of what they're doing is almost a black box. You give money and then you get products in return. You don't really know exactly what happens. So what do you, what, what did you kind of feel like you needed to do to make sure that uh, you had everything, I guess, ready on your end or make sure you made sure to bring to the table or maybe even talk to the manufacturer about to make sure that the partnership was going to be successful with that manufacturer? We did a tour of their facility. We sat down and we met with them and really walked through kind of all the certifications and how it worked and how they would source the products. And, you know, I think once we went there and we realized what kind of operation this was and how seriously they took this and what other types of clients they were doing business with, then you know, and seeing these products that are, you know, number one bestsellers on Amazon and, you know, huge household names and knowing that, you know, this isn't a company that's cutting corners to, you know, make an extra, you know, $500 a shipment on us, right? Like that's just not what fuels their business. They were really just taking us on in case, like, I think they're kind of playing the lottery in a way with people like us. They're like, yeah, you know, you're probably going to try it. It's probably not going to work. 95% of these companies probably fail and go out of business. But, you know, if you hit it big and all of a sudden, you know, you are doing $5 million a year in orders, then you're worth it to us, right? Mm. And so I think they were playing a little bit of the like, hey, let's keep Ben's friend happy and let's, uh, let's play the lottery with these guys because they have an interesting concept. I see, because it's almost like you found somebody that wasn't desperate for your business and they were more like, let's take a chance on these guys. And that kind of relationship almost changes the, the dynamics a little bit because you now feel like you're you know, working with a manufacturer that actually knows what they're doing. So you went to see their facilities and also took a look at the products that they've created in the past to make sure they have the kind of you know, resume that, that made sense for you guys. Yeah, and we were also, I'll say, we, you know, we were also working directly with um, the... Um, the son of the owner of the factory. So, you know, because of, I think that relationship, like we weren't just passed on to a sales guy. We were working with someone who, you know, really could make the decisions there and, Mm -hmm. you know, felt really comfortable versus the people we were talking to at other factories were clearly like, you know, the sales, the sales guy or girl that were just every time we'd email or every time we talked to them and ask a question, they would just be like, are you ready to sign the purchase order yet? And it just felt like, we haven't even got all our ducks in a row. How could we sign a purchase order and move forward for this supplement when we don't even know what you know our final formula is yet? And it just felt, you just knew there was something inherently wrong with those other places. Mm. It seemed like they were just trying to get the money in and you know, really help be more consultative during your... Exactly. Process. Yep. So, so you, you got the, um, I guess you went through a couple of iterations and you had some beta testers, you know, friends and family. Uh, how did you, I guess, get them involved? Like what kind of, uh, what was the process like to make sure that you're getting the, the kind of feedback that you wanted or that you needed? Yeah. I mean, we, we essentially, what we did was, was not that complicated. You know, we created Google forms and we explained obviously what we were doing and why we were asking them to test this. We made them feel really comfortable of what the ingredients were that were that were in there that they were testing. And I think the fact that we have no kind of crazy uh, nootropics, we don't have any names. Like if you look at our label, everything on there is something that is natural. That's been around for thousands of years. Like you know, a lot of these supplements that I look at, there's just crazy names on there. Like, I don't know what those things are. They don't have, you know, thousands of years of history behind them. And I'm very reluctant to put things in my body that I don't know what it is. And we've always wanted the, the, what happens with lifted view is if it doesn't work for you, the worst thing that it happens is it doesn't work, right? Like you're not going to get crazy side effects. You're not going to feel terrible. You're not going to be going to the hospital because, you know, it didn't work for you. You're just most people that it doesn't work for come back to us and say, Hey, like, I think I need something stronger. Like this wasn't, this like wasn't strong enough and I need to continue taking my Adderall or, you know, whatever my much stronger prescription is than your natural supplement. And that's great, right? Like no, no supplement's going to work for a hundred percent of the people, but I'd much rather it be too benign and where people have to go from two capsules to three capsules than, you know, going up from, uh, you know, then versus like the person who starts off with a standard dose and it was like rock their world and put them in a coma for four days, right? Like we yes. can't have that. So that was the kind of explanation I was giving to people of like first making them feel comfortable and saying, if you're willing to do this, could you fill out this little Google form so we would know, okay, how many capsules did they take? How did it make them feel? What time of the day? And, you know, we would collect certain feedback and we realized like people should have, um, you know, the only time, the only kind of negative feedback we got was a couple people who said, 
oh, like I shouldn't have taken it on an empty stomach. Like it works much better for me if I have a little bit of food after breakfast or after lunch when I take it or something like that. So then we say, hey, take it with a little bit of food in your stomach. So those kind of things. But um, we collected all that feedback and then continued again to refine the formula, worked with the factory at this point to, to make a finished product. Then they created actual pilot samples for us, which were like the real run samples, not us making them in our basement <laughs> type yeah. thing. And then we, of course, gave those out again recollected the feedback, made sure that there wasn't any change in the formula from when we were doing it to when the factory did it. And, um, and then once we felt really comfortable that this was actually working, the feedback was still positive from the vast majority of people, then we decided to launch it online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like this approach that you've taken where I think earlier you were saying that because all the people that were involved didn't necessarily need revenue right away, you guys took it as slow as you needed to to make sure to hit all the, the you know the right things along the way. Um, so let's talk about this. You know, you obviously have, a, a, I think you said in your email that you want to top performing sales executives at Twitter for, for multiple years. And I, I'm assuming that your, your partners are also have successful backgrounds as well. Um, why not go into something, you know, I guess, why? Why not put yourself in a situation where you can work on this full time and, and, you know, be focused on the, the revenue? Because I guess that's like a, the other side of the coin, right? Where people say, oh, yeah, you have to have no backup plans. You need to just kind of dive right outside the plane and then figure it out along the way. Uh, but you guys have taken a different approach, which, uh, you know, obviously it was working out for you. Can you tell us about, you know, your thoughts about those two approaches to starting a business? You know, one going full in, no safety nets, and the other much more kind of slower approach that you guys have taken? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think, uh, there's a, there's a, there's obviously like a big question and there's a lot of moving parts to that. Um, but I think for me is I, I, unlike a lot of people that I hear on these podcasts, I, I don't hate my job. I actually really, I love my boss. I mean, Twitter's one of the most amazing companies in the world to work for. And it doesn't hurt that the pay is really good and the benefits are amazing and the perks and everything. So it's really walking away from a lot, you know, like it's not mm-hmm. you know, a job where, you know, I'm making, $5,000 a month and I can make, you know, $3,000 a month in my e-commerce business to start or something and kind of close that gap. I mean, there's a huge gap compared to, you know, what I make from lifted view and uh, to what, you know, my paycheck is at, at Twitter. So it's a little bit harder to walk away from, to be honest. And maybe that come, I don't mean that for that to come off in a, a douchey way, but I mean, that's just kind of the, the fact, right? That it's, it's hard yeah. to walk away from that larger steady paycheck and all the great benefits. So, um, if I hated my job, no matter how big the the paycheck could potentially be, I, I think it would be a lot easier to leave. But it's really hard to leave somewhere where you have so many great friends and and uh, you know a company that you really believe in. So for me, it was always a no brainer to like, why don't I start this on the side, see if it works. Um, just because the formula works doesn't mean there's a business behind mm-hmm. it. Right? There's a big difference between having a product that works or that people enjoy and having a business. And um, I wanted to make sure that Lifted View was actually a business that could sustain itself and grow. And you know, not just like the initial wave of people who found us and thought it was interesting, but is this going to be growing? I want to see this grow you know, month over month over month and make sure this is something that, wow, if we just keep putting more time and energy and money into this, that it's going to continue to grow. So I think I wasn't willing to kind of put all my eggs in that basket from the beginning and create this new pressure of where I had to make Lifted View a source of income to live off of. Yeah, I, I I agree with that too. Uh, you know, because it really depends on a person's situation, and I think that the kind of um, almost blanket uh, opinion that you should always quit your job and dive into something full time, regardless of your situation, I think it's definitely misguided, especially for a lot of people. Because once you do make that jump, you now have a lot more risk involved, which means that you might be making worse decisions because you might be making decisions for the short term rather than the long term. And that's it. Sound like having these day jobs, having like another source of revenue, gave you those opportunities to think further out rather than thinking about the short term uh, revenue. So I. I, I totally agree with that, that it really depends on your situation. And it should be, you know, approached as a business decision, right? Do you want to kill off an entire revenue stream just so, just so that you have more, you know, maybe time or energy to focus on something else when it might not be worth it yet at that particular time? Uh, so I want to now talk about what you were just saying earlier about how you wanted to wait until um, the until Lift of View became more of a business. So let's talk about the the I guess the very early days, you know, about a year from uh, year from year ago from now. Uh, what uh, what did you guys do early on in terms of turning it into a business? Like what marketing tactics worked for you uh, early on? Yeah. Um- I mean, I think the main thing that we did, honestly, was leverage uh, the Meister network of what we were doing. So, 
you know, Meister has a mailing list. We have Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and different social media channels that we have really good presences on. So we really started uh, with using that in order to get the word out to those people because that was really a free way for us to to do it. And since we do believe in the product, we thought it was kind of a, a great thing to be able to message, um, you know, a different type of product to message to the Meister the Meister fan base. So. And without that, I think it would have been a much harder slug at the beginning, but that's what allowed us to get uh, our first sales in the door. And once we were able to get the first sales in the door, then we were able to actually go back to people and say, hey, would you mind leaving us feedback, whether it's positive, negative, or neutral? We want all the feedback. And then, as you know, it's a snowball effect. Once you start getting feedback on your website and people posting online and social media, like, wow, I can't believe it. This stuff actually worked for me. Like, this is great. Like, I just reordered my second bottle. Then... There's that social proof that's so important and especially something where people have a very, very big hesitation for, which is the supplement industry. You know, you really need that social proof. And without that social proof, if you can have the greatest marketing in the world and make all the claims that you want, but I think the people saying it makes a lot bigger difference. So we had to get those first customers in the door. Yeah, so you dropped a couple of gems there I want to kind of unpack and talk about. So you sounded like your approach to create this almost uh, snowball effect is first get the initial sales, uh, from there get the feedback, the referrals, the word of mouth, and then that gets more sales and then it kind of continues this cycle. So do you have have to do anything, I guess, to keep this going? Like you have to inject more things into this, I guess, snowball, the sales snowball that you've created to keep it growing and prevent it from, you know, potentially dying out? I mean, there's definitely a lot more that we could do, right? I mean, I'm, uh, I'm not going to claim to be like maxing this out by any stretch of the imagination at this point. But what we've really done is we didn't want to start ads from the beginning, right? We just thought it was really, a really weird. Like we have this supplement, we don't even have people that have reviews yet and everything. Like we need to make this work organically first. And, you know, yeah, we can give it a little push here and there, but like, let's not like, make this a business all about all about advertising and like you know a customer's worth $62 to us so we're willing to pay $43 to acquire each customer and the difference is what we make on it like that's just that seems like marketing hell to me mm-hmm. and it seems very gimmicky so we were really 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 you know strongly trying to build this slowly and organically and get the feedback because if we made a mistake we wanted it to be a mistake on you know, a small number of, of people, right, where we could correct things early and redo, you know, the way we were messaging this to the market versus spending, you know, crazy amounts of money and then all of a sudden realizing like, oh, our market is, you know, something different or we're not messaging this correctly or we're not in the right places. And, you know, I think what I've really failed to mention to you is this is this is something that started as a cannabis-only product. And we chose to do it as a cannabis-only product because it made it more niche and we had that Meister start with it. But really how Lifted View has evolved is it's evolved into a product that's far, you know, far outreaching the cannabis market because what we really are doing is we're increasing energy and focus level in a slow and sustained way versus something like coffee or Red Bull or you know, other stimulants out there. And then we also have a component in there that you know, makes it more mood balancing or you could say has an anxiety reducing effect. And that's the real, the real trick. And if you think about it, clearly, I think for people who use cannabis, they understand that and they understand the need for both of those things. But it's also the same thing that everyone wants in the workplace. It's the same thing that moms want when they're playing with their kids in the afternoon. It's the same thing that students want that don't want to be taking these dangerous prescription medications for that. And so we've actually, our one big issue is we're now selling to both of those types of markets, cannabis and non-cannabis. But that messaging can be confusing to consumers, right? Because if you go to our website and you see things about cannabis, if you're not a cannabis user, you may be very turned off from that. And we get a lot of questions like, does this work for non-cannabis users? But we had to elect to kind of put our horse in the race at one point, right? And we chose to start with the cannabis side, although 60% plus of our sales now are from the non-cannabis market. And that could potentially be, you know, the largest growth driver for us moving forward. So... I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it's... I, yeah, I think it makes sense. And it kind of brings up a question about this idea of uh, niching down because when uh, anybody's starting a business, uh, they think about how can I get the most scale possible? How can I generate the most revenue possible? Or how can I you know, maximize my revenue potential? Uh, but it almost feels at least uh, intuitively that niching down is going to cap that. 
But it usually doesn't end up that way, right? Because you kind of get a lot more traction by just starting with a smaller niche. And then from there, you can either, um, I guess, purposefully expand your market to a larger customer base or the customers from outside your base just start coming in, and which is, sounds like what's happening for you guys. So is it today, do you still make the, the marketing focused on uh, the cannabis users or is it more now more general uh, marketing for anyone that needs these kind of benefits even, the, even if they're not a cannabis user? I mean, we really... We really do both now, to be honest. We kind of, <laughs> we kind of play both sides of it um, and just sort of deal with the fact that there's going to be some people that are asking that question of like, does it work for me type thing. I think where we really need to get better is building landing pages and doing specific targeted ads so when someone lands on, on what we're doing, they can you know make sure that they're seeing the proper type of messaging versus coming to one mm. website where it makes it really hard to do. And frankly, we really haven't done a good job of that uh, to this point. I see. Yeah, so you want to basically create, uh, you know, you have your site, but you want to have different landing pages depending on the type of customer that's coming in, maybe a cannabis user, maybe a non-cannabis user. I think that that makes a lot of sense. You always want to kind of cater your messaging that way. Um, so one other thing you're saying, which I think uh, should definitely be touched on, is that you really wanted to be hands-on and very close to the market at first rather than just, you know, throw ads up and not, uh, you know, be, I guess, uh, having your ear to the streets, you know, so to, uh, so to speak. Um, um, and then once you figure out the the messaging, and then that's when you scale up. Because if you don't take a take that same approach, you might be scaling up the entirely wrong copy or an entirely wrong messaging in your ads. So, are you which stage are you at now? Are you still kind of trying to figure out the the right messaging, or have you been getting to the stage where you want to scale up and you know throw a lot of money at at ads and that that you think has the the right messaging? Yeah, I mean, I think we're definitely at the point now where we're just starting to get ready to, you know, scale up as we've seen this continued organic growth and positive feedback from people. I mean, I'm definitely I'm definitely very cautious and hesitant with with ads in general as I think that, you know, a lot of companies have uh negative uh return on ad spend for what they do and sort of justify it through impression bombing and other things that you know, when you get a report, make it look like you're doing really well with your ads, but mm -hmm. in reality, you're really not. And um, that works fine for like really big companies with billion dollar marketing budgets. But, you know, I've sort of, I've sort of uh, drawn a hard line here with Lifted View with my partners and said, like, we're going to make a company, even if it's smaller, that is a great company that does the right thing that, you know, stands by the product. And it may not be a billion dollar company or something anytime soon, but I want to grow it in a way where we're not, you know, losing our shirt in it and making terrible decisions just to try to scale. And, um, you know, we have those, you know, we have that with Meister, right, which is a company that does almost a million dollars a year in revenue now already. And, you know, we place big bets on things and we do really fancy branding and everything with the idea of like, maybe we will be a hundred million dollar company someday or something. Right. But, you know, I didn't want to create another scenario with Meister where it's sort of feast or famine. And I wanted it to be like, let's have a business that kind of is a little bit more old fashioned as <laughs> funny as that sounds. We're like, we're going to do this in a slow and sustained way that's profitable. And, you know, we make smart business decisions with this company and not, you know, lose our shirt in it. Mm -hmm. So when you say that you, uh, spe you, uh, advert not sorry, advertise, but you, uh, market through Twitter and in Instagram, can you talk a little bit about, uh, what, what's involved there? Yeah. I mean, we, we market through Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we've tried Google AdWords, you know, I mean, I'd be lying if I said we found sort of like the secret sauce where we just pump money in and money money comes back out. I think a lot of it, like I said before, is really not that easy to track. And, um, you know, we've had the most success doing kind of the more organic, more authentic, you know, the friend referrals, some of the giveaways and stuff where people have been introduced to the product. And I just, I mean, I honestly don't believe that much in, you know, especially for a product like this, I don't believe in a lot of the traditional marketing. I'm not a fan of AdWords. Like I'm not, you know, I think everybody and their brothers on Facebook ads, like, you know, trying to, to make it work. And, you know, a few years ago, that was probably even better than it is today. I know there's a lot of companies that do really well with those ads, but I think it's getting more and more crowded every day and consumers are getting more and more numb to all different types of advertising. Like clearly like we've been numb to TV commercials and and banner ads and things for a long time or a lot of people have been, but I think, you know, some of the stuff that was working and kind of providing that return on ad spend positivity is really uh, quickly deteriorating as everyone is trying to get into the same space and compete for the same eyeballs. 
Yeah, I see what you mean. So you're saying that you like to take a much more organic approach and depend on the referrals and these giveaways. Uh, for, for those things to be successful, though, don't you need like the attention or the traffic to be focused or to at least hear about the products at first or to buy the products at first before people start, you know, referring it or to have some initial kind of groups of or initial uh, people in a giveaway before they start promoting the giveaway themselves? Like, how do you, I guess, I, I guess I'm, I'm having uh, maybe a little bit of a hard time understanding like what is the, um, the kickoff for all of these uh, almost like it's a snowball of the fact that like, you know, I'm going back to what I was saying before the snowball effect that you guys have created, like how do you feed it? Yeah. Well, we're super fortunate, right. With lifted view that we have the Meister network to plug into. And I mean, mm. Meister has Instagram handle with, you know, 60,000 followers and an email list that has, you know, 10,000 plus subscribers to it. And, you know, obviously all the web traffic we get, and then we partner with other uh, influencers out there, you know, some that have million uh, plus followings that do um, some of the promotion for us there, which isn't the traditional advertising, right? Like it's not one of the big ones, um, like paying for clicks or something like that, but it can reach a ton of people, um, in, in my opinion, in a more cost effective way. So, you know, that's how I think we get a lot of our, our initial push out there. And then, like I said, you know, we rely on you know, if you're running a contest on something like Instagram, for example, and you say like, hey, tag a friend and, you know, we're going to pick five people here publicly and give a free sample or a free bottle to or something like that, it's kind of shocking how many people will do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not that hard to get people to, to get into stuff um, if you ask them to do it and there's a benefit in there for them. So, um, you know, I, I know what I'm saying would probably make a lot of more traditional marketers cringe and I do admit that we are, you know, at the point now where we finally have, in my opinion, the amount of positive feedback and the number of sales and everything to feel comfortable to really scale it out. But I really wanted to build this because this is something that people are putting in their bodies in a much more um, organic way than, you know, mm-hmm. just cranking out the ads and seeing how much reach we could get from the beginning. And right. uh, I hope I hope that people can see that. You know, I hope that people that see us online and come to our site and you know hear me talking on podcasts. So like, I, I hope they they understand that that like you know we get that it's not maybe the world's greatest marketing, but it's just kind of the way we chose to do it for Lifted View because of the type of product that it is. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see why you'd want to be much more kind of slow, methodical about it because it's something that people put into their bodies and not just like selling a t-shirt or something. I think one of the things that we do too that's really important is we offer everyone a 100% money back guarantee on their first product, right? And, you know, there's a lot of people, I mean, the question I get all day, every day is like, hey, can I get a free sample, right? And I, I made the decision early on that why don't instead of just like sending out these sample packs where someone gets, let's say, four capsules in a pack and doesn't even have a chance to really test the product in various ways or experiment with different levels of dosage or anything, why don't we say, hey, like buy a bottle. That way we kind of qualify that this is someone mm-hmm. who's actually willing to buy a bottle, right? Like if you get a lot of people that just want free stuff and no matter how great it is, they're just never going to spend money on it. So let's make sure we move those people out of the way and let's say, hey, buy a bottle try it. Now you have 30 capsules to start with at least. And if uh, you don't like it for any reason, it doesn't work for you, just tell us and we'll give you your money back. And you know what easier way to get somebody in the door than say, we will refund your money. You don't even have to send us the product back. Just send us an email and say, it didn't work for me. And within 24 hours, you have the money back on your credit card, right? Like that's an easy, a much easier way, I think, to get people in the door. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point to bring up. And three other things I want to say about this, about why you want to take this approach where you want people to pay you for something first. And then on the back end, if they want to get a refund, give them a refund rather than giving out free samples. Uh, first thing is that people that are you know used to spending money with you, even though it was just one time, are much more likely to spend money with you again, just because they're, they have that trust already. They already understand what that process is like to pay you. So if you give someone a free sample, you don't kind of qualify them like you're saying. And then also kind of increases the perceived value, right? When you're giving out free samples all the time, there's just like no perceived, not necessarily no perceived value, but definitely a decreased perceived value than if they were to pay for it. And the last thing is that when you pay for something, you're just much more likely to use it, right? If someone gives you something for free, you'll take it, but you might not be compelled to use it because you didn't have any skin in the game. You didn't shell out any money for it. But once you pay for something, even if you can get a refund later, you're just much more likely to use it. I think in order for people to, uh, you know, be interested or excited about your brand, they have to be using it, right? They can't just have a sitting, uh, you know, uh, sitting those um, supplements sitting on their shelf somewhere. They have to actually be using it. So I think that's a, 
a great approach for you to take. And uh, it makes a lot of sense that you, why you want to give someone to pay for it first and then give them a refund if they don't want it versus giving out free samples. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think it also, the underlying message is, Hey, we know this is a shady industry. We know that you know many people have been taken advantage of uh, in the supplement industry before, and what we're doing may seem like it's hokey or that it's not actually going to work. So we we can't build a business model of selling you a bottle and having you go away, right? That doesn't work because everyone's just going to ask for their money back. So you know, <laughs> clearly, like we're, we're sort of we're sort of taking that conversation off the table by saying, hey, like our business is not to trick you and get you to buy a bottle and move on and market to the next person. That's what so many of these companies are. We're saying like, we need you to be a repeat customer mm-hmm. or at least at a minimum, enjoy your order or we're going to go out of business because everyone's going to ask for their money back. Right. Makes sense. Cool. So I want to talk a little bit about running the business before we uh, close out this interview. So uh, in terms of your day to day, you know, because you have this day job, I'm not sure what your partner's uh, situations are, but, you know, obviously you have to balance a lot of things that are going on between your day job, the two businesses and the nonprofit that you started. How do you start your day and how do you figure out how to spend your day because you have so much going on? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So I mean, I, I think the the three people that are involved in Lifted View, there's there's a medical doctor who is in charge of you know the research and making sure that we're doing everything uh, the correct way and messaging when people email us and ask specific medical questions that you know we have a doctor who's answering that and not just me. Um, he's one of them. Then we have Davis, who's also my partner in Meister. And uh, he's in charge of all of the shipping and the logistics. And we're able to piggyback off what Meister does with the shipping and the fulfillment center, which is huge for us because as most people who ship products understand that there's a, it's a, a real pain if you're the person doing the marketing, but then you're printing labels and running to the post office or whatever you do. So to be able to pull that under one roof is a huge advantage and takes that, all that off my plate. And that allows me to work on all the other stuff, right, which is coming up with changing the website around, experimenting with new you know, price points or ideas, um, working with um, you know, different uh, influencers, tr- uh, creating new marketing campaigns. You know, I basically am kind of the catch-all guy for all the rest of this stuff. So you know, my typical day is get up early. Um, I try to start work by 7.30 or so at the latest. Um, I try to do my lifted view, my Meister stuff, my gym stuff. So by the time I get to work at 9 o'clock, I've already done all of my other stuff that has nothing to do with my uh, job that's paying me a salary, right? And then when I go home at night, I can do the same thing again. And so for me, it is really a part-time thing, right? Like I'm not cranking this out for four hours a day, certainly not for eight hours a day. And um, you know, at some point in the future, as we continue to grow, that may be the case. But right now, I'm sort of uh, juggling a lot of balls to make it work. Mm-hmm. So you, I think, give us an idea of the uh, sales for Meister. You said that is almost a million dollar business. Can you give us an idea of how well Lifted View is doing? Yeah, so we do about uh, five thousand dollars a month right now in sales. Um, so it's really you know been growing pretty nicely from from uh, when we first started. Obviously, we were doing you know pennies, right? An order here, an order there. Um, you know, a big day would be you know $150 in sales, and you know we've really been steadily growing, especially over the last month or so. Um, you know, we've seen the sales pick up uh, pretty steadily, and uh, we don't see any reason, um, especially considering of how little that we've been doing correctly in so many ways. We don't see any reason, like if we start to do those things that we know need to be done, and we just haven't put the time into and and uh, the creativity into that we can't make this a much larger business. Mm-hmm. So you're saying before that you guys, you know, have the benefit of having the the kind of marketing channels that Meister already built out with that 10,000 plus mailing list, the Instagram profiles. Um, but you know, if someone out there doesn't have those things, they could they, you could focus more on finding partnerships with people that are that have you know large Instagram f- followings or maybe even pay for 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 their kind of assistance with with uh, Instagram or maybe even with a marketing marketing list or sorry, mailing list. Um, so even though you have these kind of channels set up, you still have to, you know, use them correctly. So what's your approach when it comes to, let's say, let's start with the mailing list. Like what are you sending out to the Meister mailing list to introduce them to a totally, uh, different product? Uh, what's that, what's that uh, process like? Yeah. I mean, we've obviously done more than a couple mailings at this point to, to that list, but I mean, it's 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 not too different than anybody's probably standard newsletter or mailing list. We're just focusing on that one product, though, and we come out and say, like, hey, like from the from the founders or from the creators of Meister, you know, we've we've made this new product. We talk about 
what it is, the money-back guarantee. We realized that keeping the text much simpler, having really pretty pictures in there, and ultimately making – you don't need to tell everyone everything in a, mar- a piece of marketing material. You need to get them to go to your site where they can actually buy stuff, right? Like no one can buy anything from the email. No one can buy anything from our Instagram page. We have to get them to come to our Shopify page. And that's the whole goal, right? And so I think when you make a new product at the beginning, the hesitation or, or the tendency is for most people to want to tell people every single detail of what's, what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. You want to tell them everything you know. But that's not really the right thing to do unless you get them to the right place to do that first, right? And so you know, we need to kind of give them the information that gets them excited or interested or intrigued. And then we need to get them to our website where they can actually learn more and make their purchase. And if we're not getting them to the website, then it's really worthless. Mm-hmm. So you said that you spent um, a, at least a portion of your day figuring out what adjustments to make to the website. Are there any particular experiments that you've done recently that have had a, a big impact on the the conversions? Yeah, I mean we've we've done um, we've added a recurring model. So for people, which is not uncommon in the in the supplement industry, so you know we have a, a price that's thirty dollars a bottle or twenty nine ninety five a bottle if you get one bottle, but then we have a recurring. Um, price where if you get uh, you get two bottles a month for thirty nine dollars a month, so it's incrementally not a ton more. But for us, because so many of our costs are fixed in the shipping and you know the the distribution of everything, it's it's you're only paying for like that second bottle, and it's much better for us to get people on that recurring subscription, even though we don't make a ton difference on either purchase. Once they're on that recurring subscription, and then they can kind of keep getting the uh, auto shipment each month, it's much better for us, and we've we've got a very low churn rate. Which is nice on that as well. Mm-hmm. And which uh, which app do you use to for for the uh, recurring uh, payments? We use Recharge, and uh, they've been super helpful to work with so far, and um, definitely no complaints there. Mm-hmm. And do you outsource any of your other kind of tasks to either people or to like for the distribution or anything like that? How do you? Are there any I guess tools or, or other people that you rely on outside of the the core group to to run the business? Yeah, we have one contracted employee down down in Georgia who actually helps us um, with um, mostly with marketing and customer service. So, you know, for uh, as we're we're looking to put in, for example, a new review system onto the site, um, you know, she's in charge of kind of making all that happen and porting that over. She manages our Facebook page and you know does a lot of the stuff that you know just kind of falls through the cracks and we wouldn't have time to do without her. Awesome. Um, so, other than than the, uh, the the I guess the efforts that you put into with the mailing list and and uh, with Instagram and everything, are there any other marketing channels that you're planning on exploring anytime soon? No, I mean I think it's like we really haven't even done the stuff on the big ones, right? We we haven't tapped into you know we've tapped into one percent of the influencers. We've never really figured out how to make Google AdWords work right. We've never really tried to do Facebook or Instagram or Twitter at serious scale yet. So. I feel like we haven't even kind of crossed the bridge of a lot of the the big ones yet, um, and uh, we also haven't put a lot of time into SEO. And you know, I'm a real big believer in that. Like, you know, the AdWords is, is kind of like crack, right? Like, once you get hooked on there, and that becomes your business of paying per click and converting a customer that costs a certain certain dollar amount. Um, you know, and needing to get them in this narrow window where they become, um, you know, ROAS positive. Um, I think that's a very dangerous game, right? And I would rather invest that time and that money um, trying to create ways that are going to outlive a single ad campaign. So when someone's searching for the type of things, for example, on Google, like how do we show up on that first page and, and putting more time and energy and money in there than putting it into sort of the quick hit from the, the AdWords mm-hmm. campaign. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ben. So liftedview.com is the the store, the, the most recent store, then getmeister.com is G-E-T-M-Y-S-T-E-R.com is the other site. Anywhere else that you recommend the listeners check out, they want to learn more about what you've been up to and any other uh, you know things that you have coming up? Um, yeah, I mean, you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is moviepong, M-O-O-B-Y-P-O-N-G. Um, and if anybody's interested in the uh, nonprofit martial arts world and wants to see more about that, that website's guardiangym.org if you want to see what we're doing out here in Oakland. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ben. Thanks for having me, Felix. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com for a free 14-day trial.